Welcome to Video Store. My name is Sam Mulberry, and today we are going to be talking about the 2010 film of Gods and Men. So let's step into Baird Fisher's Video Store. Baird, how you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Sam. Good morning. Uh, I am excited to talk about this. This was again uh, on the long list of movies that I hadn't seen. I think. I want to say I've I'd, I'd heard of it, but it also has one of those like vaguely important sounding titles that like, you know, like, like I get it confused with city of men, children of men. Like there's all these movies like, yeah, I think I've heard, some, but maybe they were talking about a different movie. So, um, so like, I don't know. I definitely went into this movie knowing, not knowing anything about it. I didn't even know that this was eventually a story about martyrs. Hmm. I didn't know that was going to be the end of the story. So, uh, so that actually, I actually was sort of surprised by the ending, which I'm, I'm guessing very few people who, who saw this movie didn't already know that's what it was going to be about. But, um, but yeah, I was, I was, so that, that surprised me. So let's, uh, to start off, um, can you tell me a little bit about your history with this film and your initial reaction to seeing it? Yeah, um, I remember seeing it on its when it was released in the, in the U.S. in the spring of 2011. Uh, I remember specifically I went to the uh, Landmark Theater down in Edina, uh, and I went with my son, whom I've referred to, referred to often as one of my kind of uh, movie com companions. Uh, and I just remember being completely blown away by the film at that, 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 that time. Uh, it made a really deep impression on me. Um, especially that closing shot. It's, it, to me, it's one of the great closing shots of, of any film. Um, so yeah, I just, and I've always wanted to go back to the film, but I just, I never have. So I was really uh, uh, pleased to have the opportunity to watch it again. I got to tell you, coming off last week, this movie I loved. If you had gone into a lab and like designed the perfect movie well, there's lots of movie, different kinds of movies that I like, but this is a particular kind of movie that I like. This one taps into my sense of Christianity, my sense of spirituality. This was just perfectly designed for me. I, I adored. This is a movie I will definitely, uh, I will definitely watch again. Uh, to put some cards on the table, from kindergarten through through high school, I was a, I went to Catholic schools, so like mm -hmm. this is such a great Catholic school movie too. Like I'm certain. <laughs> You know, I was I was well out of school 15 years before this movie came out, but I'm certain this is the kind of movie that gets viewed in Catholic schools, especially if a Catholic school is teaching French. It's like, oh, we can watch a movie in French, and it sort of speaks to this stuff. Like, um, and in that way, it also reminds me of, um, and we'll talk about some differences because I think this is this is not the same as these movies, but it definitely reminded me of some of the. Uh, Robert Bolt, uh, Catholic school classics, like the mission, a man for all seasons. Yeah. Like it has, it has a little bit of that, like religious anguish about like, what, what is the right choice? What do we do? And I, I'm a sucker for those movies. Those are two of my, two of my favorite movies in terms of sort of thinking about, uh, thinking about religion, uh, thinking about spirituality and thinking about kind of different intersections. So I want to talk a lot about religion in this movie. Cause I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's really interesting. I would also say this, struck me as the type of movie that would teach really well this would be such a great movie to watch in a class and to to sort of dig into the eye because the ideas are right there on the surface uh i mean you actually have scenes of people sitting around talking about big practical philosophical life questions um and those are the types of movies that teach really well because you don't need te to tease the questions out too much they're kind of right there on the surface yeah, there, there's there exactly. There's so much going on. It's on the surface, but then it gives you ways to dive deeper. 
So it's interesting to me you mentioned your own Catholic upbringing, Sam, because one of the most interesting kind of sets of reviews that I ran across was by a, um, a film critic that writes for the National Catholic Register. And he was so taken by the film, he actually did, he basically did a series of four, five different columns. Folks, really? Yeah. Um, his name is uh, Stephen Gray Danis, uh, and he's a good he's a good he's a good film critic. Um, of course, I say that because he agrees with one of the aesthetic principles we talked about a couple weeks ago. He talked at the, be at the beginning of his first review about how uh, there's a lot of people who criticize a film for what it doesn't do, but what they should focus on is what it sets out to do. And uh, the focus of his reviews really are, I think that his leading question is how Catholic is this film? And he's trying to kind of bring align the film with Catholic teaching. And anyway, his reviews are, are really well worth, well worth reading. And he mentions those very films you just mentioned, The Mission and Man for All Seasons, and how he sees this in, in line with those films, but also different from those films. Yeah, I will say, uh, just to put a little bit more of my biography in this, I also spent a year living with monks. Mm. So... I would say the the depiction of religious life broadly, but specifically religious life, like living in a religious order, um, there were so many little things that that rung unbelievably true. Even even minor things where I was like, yeah, that's actually that actually matches my experience. Now I was not living in Algeria; I was in Mobile, Alabama. But um, to to point out a couple things that 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 struck me. Um, the first sort of table scene of the committee of the committee, the community, when they're talking about uh, Christian um, kind of mm -hmm. making a unilateral decision and saying, well, that's actually not how this works. That rings unbelievably true. I was definitely a, I was part of a community that was smaller than this. Um, I think there were there were four brothers who lived in the house and then me. But we would have regular meetings where we would talk through process and even about just minute things like should we pay the cable bill? Should we have cable? Like, like the, they would become these sort of philosophical discussions, things that a household would do and you just wouldn't think much about it. Like, so I would say those conversations run unbelievably true. And at the end of the, towards the end of the movie, when the, the, the other brother, like the visiting brother comes yeah. um, and, and sort of brings things like that. There was a brother named brother Matthias who lived in, I think he was in uh, New Orleans and he would, he was, his job was to travel to the other houses in the province and he would stay with us for a few days and he would bring things to them. And, and it's just like, Oh, even that, like when I saw that guy show up, I thought, Oh, that's brother. That's like brother Matthias. That, that sort of fits that, that sort of perfectly. And it, so elements like that really um, hit close to home in terms of even my own experience with that. Yeah, and, my, and I've never lived in a community like that, um, Sam, but my experience with that would be in 1993, the first time I took students on England tournament, we stayed at Hengrave Hall, which was uh, run by a community of nuns. And I remember that uh, at the end of the trip, we, we had a practice of uh, giving a gift. And so I said to uh, whoever it was that was kind of in charge of the community, I said, you know, we wanted to give them a, a fax machine, <laughs> uh, which is a partly a selfish gift because we were really hampered by the lack of a fax machine. And um, I, you know, then I was told, well, okay, but you know, that's something that we're going to have to take to the community. We're going to have to, you know, pray over that and kind of discern whether or not we actually want a fax machine. And that was my first glimpse that these things are not the same in those sorts of communities as we're used to in, uh, in our world. Right, right. Uh, and, and the other thing that in terms of, of living in one of those communities, that's a huge part of this film is the amount of worship. Um, and this is where I would say this is different than 
Um, definitely different than a man for all seasons and even different than the mission, the mm -hmm. amount of time and the number of times they go back to it. It almost feels like the liturgy of the hours. It's like, we're, we're doing things and then we're coming back and we're doing this worship thing. And, and like, and that actually fits it. You almost feel the cycle of monastic prayer, mm -hmm. uh, in the structure of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I was moved by the fact that like, um, it, it, it ends up speaking to, all this whole movie and this is where i would say it strikes me as deeply catholic and deeply monastic catholic is it strikes to the fact that you have individual personal faith but it's not always expressed and always understood and always moved upon by your own specific experience and your own specific emotions but there are these but it is about this communal prayer this ritual experience shapes that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's was so powerful in this movie. And it's the kind of thing where I, I love a movie like the mission, uh, but the mission, the only, I, it's been a while since I've seen, it. I used to teach that movie. So I mm -hmm. would watch it three times a year, but the, in my memory, the only big sort of scene of worship we have is at the end and worship is almost shown as like, this is our, this is our way of protest or fighting back, right? We're going to just keep doing this. Where in this movie, worship is just woven throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. It's not the entirety of their religious life because we also see their work, which is a big piece of this as well. But I, that was such a brilliant move uh, in terms of how this movie was put together. I mean, I would say there's probably a solid twenty minutes of oh, the movie yeah. that is that is just them in worship. And I didn't even—I don't need the subtitles for that. Even I realize what they're saying is really significant. But even if they didn't subtitle that, like I would get it. I, I got what that was doing, and that just seemed like a brilliant—a brilliant thing. Now I could also see how certain people would be turned off by that. Mm -hmm. um, but but to me, that was that just hit me right in the heart. I loved that. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it's interesting. You know, the, the movie, as far as I know, the the filmmakers are not particularly religious people. It's a, it's a pretty much a secular. It's a it's a film that I mean it's it's astonishing that they expect a predominantly secular audience, especially when you think about modern day France, that they kind of expect the audience to be engaged by those scenes. And in fact, the audience is. And I think it's partly because um, it's probably because of the beauty of the of the music and the beauty of the chant. And uh, yeah, and 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 as you say, the the rhythm of the of the ritual that creates a kind of um, formal uh, structure to the film. So even if people aren't particularly interested in, in religious content, I think they become interested because every, because that that structure of returning again and again to the worship that's part of how decisions are being made in this community. Mm -hmm. You know, because you know, there's no there's no big aha moment that you can see. There's an incremental movement as as the monks decide what they're going to do, both individually and collectively. And I think that that's one of the geniuses of both the monastic life and of the film and showing that these decisions are made in part through the habit of the habits of the heart that are being fostered by the rhythm of the, of the monastic life and, and, uh, and, and the liturgy. And there's a great scene and I can't remember which brother it is. And he's like cleaning or dusting and he's singing to himself alone. And he's singing the same things that they're singing in it's 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 either before or after you see them do that same chant in uh, in a group, and it's about the, I think it's about the Christmas. It's about Christmas and like yeah. the the world being prepared like a cradle or mm -hmm. something. Um, and it's like, and that also strikes me as I remember getting the the uh, the prayers of the liturgy of the hours as that we would pray when I was in Mobile. Like those just became part. Of, like they 
you would do them certain times in the day, but even when you weren't doing them, they got so routine in your life that they stayed with you in that kind yeah. of way. And they almost became the, the background music for your life. I also think it's a great way um, to sort of show not not tell in terms of religion because i think it's and this is where again comparing it to like a man for all seasons and thomas moore is not a monk it's a different situation but that movie is so much you see so much of him talking through and sort of philosophizing and theologizing like okay here's you know and this is like uh all that stuff is happening but you you don't necessarily have these big scenes where there's small scenes where they talk about it, but not big scenes where they make big speeches. And I think that's such a great subtle way to, mm. to say, again, this isn't just about like me and my ideas. It's me and my ideas in relationship to this community, in relationship to this larger thing, in relationship to history, in relationship to all of this stuff. So th I thought that was just really well done. Mm -hmm. This is a movie that's, that's uh, based on uh, real events. Um, like I said, I didn't, I didn't know that going in. I, so I, and I didn't know where this, uh, where this was heading. Was this a, a story you were familiar with? No, it was completely new to me. Um, the real events happened in 1996 when presumably I should have been aware of what, what was going on in the world, but, but it also preceded, um, kind of America's engagement with Muslim fundamentalists and jihad. So I think it, it wasn't really on my, on my radar, but yeah, so I, I had not heard of this event until I encountered the movie. Yeah. Well, one thing uh, in, in sort of in light of thinking about the uh, the history of uh, French colonialism in Algeria, um, I thought this movie wrestled in interesting ways with uh, with some of those questions. I mean, it, they got criticized for not uh, maybe going far enough with it, but so, so I mean, we'll, we can sort of talk about both of these things. But one of the things that I found really interesting watching this in 2020 was um, the way, again, very subtly it deals with the privilege that these monks have. Cause you think about monks as these people who've given up all of, you know, but at the same time, a, they lived in, in a position where they had something to give up. And a lot of the struggle was the struggle of the fact that they had the ability to go to leave, right? That, right. And and then it's like, well, what is my responsibility? And it it and it it starts to get a little bit at what is my responsibility to stay here? But even what does that mean a little bit? It, I mean, it, obviously that's a spot where it could go a little bit deeper to think about what are these French guys doing in in Algeria? And obviously there's a, a history to that. Um, yeah. But but I found those questions really really interesting and those are the things that stuck with me a lot uh this idea of sort of underlying this this the ability they had if they wanted to to sort of pull the cord and they could they could you know go to somewhere safe that they had that but they had but they were uh again without being super overt about it that's the thing they were wrestling with in lots of ways and and and, and that was i'm glad you picked on picked up on that sam because that was an element of um i usually consult Roger Ebert's reviews. Um, and Ebert, I think, has a, a Catholic background. He's, he's, often, he's often fairly sensitive to spiritual themes in films, but I, I think he totally misunderstands the nature of the monastic vocation because he comes down very hard on the monks at the end of the film and says that basically it's selfish of them to stay uh, because um, if they really feel that they're serving God, then there's lots of other places they could go to serve God, so why don't they go? And, and I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking, but it's it's about, first of all, it's about the monastic view of stability. 
it's about the notion that when you make a commitment, that's where you are. And I think it's also a profound statement about what it means to actually um, identify with their community. You know, because I, I think that, you know, the, the world the world is full of people who, as you, as you said, have privilege and they can come in and do good, uh, but then they can leave when it's inconvenient for them. Um, I mean, I've thought about that on my on, on the times that I've been, you know, teaching in Africa. And oh yeah, isn't that great? I show up for a month and and uh, and, and and help out, but I go back home again. I don't have to deal with what these people have to deal with on an ongoing basis. And so, to me, that's the deepest expression of their monastic vocation to stay. And it's not as though they didn't debate whether or not they should leave. It's not as though they themselves didn't say, "Is there any is there any point in in making ourselves martyrs?" Um, so I thought the film actually did a remarkable job of kind of thinking through those alternatives and why you would choose them um, and, and why they did. Yeah, and I would say, I mean, what it says about martyrdom is is, is really uh, nuanced as well, because this isn't a story about people who are walking around saying, I think sometimes we think of, especially like the early church martyrs as like, come kill me, I want to die for my faith. Like, these are people who do not want yeah. to die. Um, you know, there, there's the, the great line. One of the brothers says, you know, I didn't become a monk to die. And even yeah. Christian oh, throat slit, he says in particular. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and even, um, even Christian says in one of the conversations he has, you know, we don't, um, we don't embrace martyrdom. We don't, right. we, 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 we try to sort of, uh, avoid it, Right. but, but when it comes, it's like, but when it comes, it's okay to accept it. And it's just like, I mean, those aren't his exact words, but that was a pretty powerful thing because, again, I'm used to this almost caricatured version of like the heroic martyr who's, you know, standing in the Coliseum and, you know, providing the like desiring to provide this witness. In CWC, we read uh, Perpetua. And when you read that writing, it sounds like she just, her biggest fear is that she's not going to get killed. <laughs> you know, and it's like, so, so this was this that was also very interesting to say, like you know, is what is it? What is better to live for your faith or to die for your faith? And and they're wrestling with that question, and their death isn't certain. I mean, I think another really powerful scene is when the the um, the fundamentalists uh, come the first time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to the you know in, in the night and. Again, I, I think in a typical movie, in lots of movies, that would have been the scene where they're taken hostage and we would have spent a lot of time with them as hostages and we would have, you know, thought about them, you know, in that. But that scene actually was, we we saw the how deeply rooted they were in in their the broader community they were living in. We saw Christian's um, familiarity with the Quran. Earlier in the movie, we see him reading St. Francis and the Quran yeah. and like in writing about that. But we see how sort of fluid he is in that understanding, you know, and, and, and he's our example of kind of the, the intellectual version of that. And then we see uh, the the doctor, Luke, I think is his name, mm -hmm. right? We see him uh, on a more sort of personal level, you know, interacting and understanding the the community and understanding just people. But, you know, I, I think you touched on a really important issue, um, uh, Stan, which, and that is the question of um, that martyrdom is not something to be pursued uh, and maybe not even something to be embraced, but something to be accepted. Uh, and I think the, the really, the, the crux of the moral dilemma for these monks, I think, aside from the fact that they show a uh, perfectly human fear of death, uh, except for Brother Luke at the end, right? He says, I'm mm -hmm. not afraid to die, I'm a free man which I think is a really significant statement. 
But I think that what they really have to struggle with is um, if it is our duty to face martyrdom only if it is unavoidable, should we avoid it by leaving? Because, mm-hmm. we, because we can. But that's where I think it loops back around to what I said earlier about, but this is our commitment. Because I, I think, you know, kind of underlying that that issue is this question of what does a commitment mean? I mean, if you say it's possible for us to leave, then is our commitment an actual or, or, or real commitment? Mm-hmm. You know, because in other words, at what point does something voluntary become mandatory? You know, I voluntarily took this oath. So um, I'm really, in a sense, you could say I'm only here by force of my own volition. Mm-hmm. But the monastic vocation says, no, when, yes, it's your volition. But once you've done that, you have entered into a relationship. Um, and for them, it's so grounded in that space, in that, in that community. And it's even possible, even though I know the film doesn't go into detail on this and only alludes to it, but it's even possible you could read it as almost an act of expiation for uh, the French, for what the French for what French colonialism has done. Uh, that may be a misreading or an overreading, but I, but I, but to me, it's kind of at the back of my mind, even though they never actually address that explicitly. Well, it's it's interesting. Uh, the the real brother Christian was a French soldier in Algeria, and then becomes a monk and mm-hmm. and basically stays. So I mean, that seems to be. Uh, at least potentially accurate to his, to his experience, uh, you know, kind of directly in terms of that. Um, what are your thoughts? So as I was reading reviews, there's uh, a couple things that jumped out. One scene that is people are kind of divided on, and I wasn't sure even what I, how I felt about it uh, is the, the sort of last supper scene. Cause that's very different than a lot of other parts. I mean, it's the, it's like the one time where we have, this sort of very intentionally placed music, um, you know, that, that, that they're listening to. Um, I found that scene moving and powerful, but I didn't quite know how I felt about it. So I was sort of curious since you've seen this, you know, at least twice, uh, what, what is, what are your thoughts on that scene? Well, first of all, I would say in the context of our conversations over the last several months, I certainly thought about Babette's Feast. I have it written right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the notion of this is a kind of a Last Supper, right? Um, and also, uh, you know, I, th- I think some of the reviewers' view of, um, of that scene were, were affected by the film Black Swan. Uh, and and the notion Which that came you know, out the same year, right? Like yeah, uh, yeah, or the year after, somewhere around there. But but I mean, I, I felt like again, it's this thing where reviewers are like, "Oh, Tchaikovsky, oh, oh Richard of Swan Lake, that's so overdone." And and I think they were, they, I think they felt they found it too much out of the character of the rest of the film. I think I think they felt it was a place where the audience's heartstrings were being deliberately plucked. Mm-hmm. Well, I I read it quite differently. Um, first of all, I, I, I love the way it's set up. I, I, I love the way that the two bottles of wine are on the counter and it's an offering of hospitality and friendship and love. Uh, and, and brother Luke turns the, turns the recorder on and it's the first time you've actually seen beyond, except for the telephone, the first time you've seen technology being used. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so, so, so to, to me, it's an important catharsis for the audience 
that, that part of what's happening there is, again, you can say it's a cheap play to emotion, but we need a play to our emotion. We've had a lot of emotion building up as we're watching these monks, and we need a point of release. I think, I think it's very canny on the part of the filmmaker. We need emotional release before we go into the darkest part of the film, before we go into its in inevitable end. And so to have that moment of joy, pure joy, and, and I love the way the camera moves around and then keeps moving in deeper and deeper until you just have these, these uh, various shots of extreme close-ups of faces. And you have one monk, I forget who it is, putting his arm around the, the shoulder of, of another monk. And I have to say, I think you got to have uh, a heart of stone uh, to resist that scene because I just I'm 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 all in on that scene. That just works for me completely. Well, and it's interesting to think about because it it comes after they've made their decision, mm -hmm. right? And it's sort of like, okay, we've made our decision. Uh, so in a sense, it's like we uh, we acknowledge we may be embracing death by making this decision, but we're also embracing life right and this is where the babette's feast part comes in i mean that they're they're drinking wine they're crying they're listening they're they're taking in art they're taking in each other it's this sort of embrace of life with because to embrace life you embrace death right yes. like like and and yeah and i i again i was i was taken aback by it because it just felt so different than, mm -hmm. than than the rest of the movie but but again i was definitely moved by it um and uh and I found it. I found it very powerful. And again, I didn't exactly know where this was headed. Although that was my tip off of, oh, okay. So I guess this is going to be a story about these guys dying when, mm -hmm. when we hit that part. I, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, um, I will also say I loved, and this is maybe a product of the fact that I am not familiar with French actors, but there was not a face there that I knew. Mm. So like I. To me, these again, growing up, I went to a school that was taught. Uh, led by nuns taught by nuns i lived with these brothers like these look like these look like monks to me these look like the the uh the the catholic uh religious order mm -hmm. folks that i knew and so like i would it would be very strange for me to see any of those act uh, especially the uh luke and christian in like another movie because to me like that's just who that person is and yeah it was uh but i, but I thought the casting was fantastic the faces and the way kind of in that that dark room where they would eat um even their eating seemed accurate like mm -hmm. there's uh because i looked at, i was like i was paying attention to the food because my my other impression of living with monks is we actually ate pretty well and i was and i was like as i was watching them eat at certain times and there's i don't can't tell what they're serving up but i'm like that actually looks pretty good <laughs> you know like 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 even like it wasn't this like uh Sometimes we think about a monastic order as this like total denial, you know, sort of a, this mm -hmm. extreme monasticism. And they definitely weren't that. Like you said, they had a car, they had mm -hmm. they had a radio, they had, you know, like like they had they 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 were living life and they were living life among people and um, you know, uh and so like I actually I actually appreciated even that um picture of of monasticism. Another thing that I read about in one of the articles, and I don't and I want to throw this to you as our uh as our English prof here, um, thinking about the title of this movie, because yeah. in French, the title of the movie is slightly different, right? Mm -hmm. The, the order would, so in, in English it's, it's translated as of gods and men, but in French, the title is of men and gods. Yeah. Uh, is that significant? That switch? Cause I read one article where they were trying to make the case that it's totally wrong that they, that they called it of gods and men. It should be of men and gods. And, and, you know, I don't know what I think about that. 
Well, I mean, I mean, any, any, yeah, any, any time you see a switch like that in in titles of foreign films, which is not that unusual, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so so you could argue, yeah, the or, the order the order doesn't matter. Um, I I guess my my latest theory in this, Sam, is that they thought that it would grab the American audience's uh, attention uh, if you lead with gods. Mm -hmm. And also, it avoids um, identifying that it's, out, that it's so gender specific. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I, you know, for an American audience, maybe leading with men is uh, makes it sound like it's uh, not a film for all people. So, I mean, that, that's my, that's my only my only theory. Yeah. I, I, I always have to say, just on the basis of um, how it hits the ear, that I find of gods and men more. I, I know it grabs my ear in a way that of men and gods doesn't. I think it's something about moving from the from the O to the G sound. Uh, it, 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 in a weird way, it flows better. I don't know. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, no, yeah. I totally agree. Because when I when I say of men and gods, it doesn't sound right. Like that's all I can say. It's like it, but of gods and men sounds like a like that sounds like a movie to me. To you know, that, that sounds like a title. It sounds well. Yeah. Well, well, well in terms I don't of, know if it's different in French. I don't know if like the sound yeah, of it uh, feels different in French. Uh, well, if you think about it in terms of scansion, when you say of gods and men, you're putting an emphasis on God, mm -hmm. on God. And when you say of men and gods, it, 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 the men doesn't get quite the same amount of emphasis. Sure. So it's sure. almost if you're scanning it poetically of God and gods and men works better. So I'll, so I, it's okay with me. All right. Are there other things you want to talk about with this film? Yeah, I guess, you know, what, what, well, first of all, one thing that occurred to me is a kind of a footnote to our conversation about escaping martyrdom um, is that, uh, two of the brothers do escape martyrdom, right? Um, including the oldest brother, who actually lived in another twelve years, mm -hmm. brother Arnie. Um, and and the fact that one of the monks who gets killed is one who just came to visit, you know, right. So uh, that's to me that's a, that's way into the ways in which the film bears the stamp of reality. I mean, that's what really happened, and they chose not to change that. You know, there's been certain criticisms about. You know, when the film quotes, of course, and Brother Christian's writing, it, you know, edits it a little bit. And, and I, you know, and obviously it's not going to completely reproduce what happened historically. But I was glad that they maintained that, uh, that, that integrity. No, there's, there's, I guess there's like two things I want to say, Sam, that to me are important. Um, one is the quotation at one point of Pascal. When Pascal says, uh, of course, it's gendered language, but he says, men never do evil so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction. I think that's interesting in two respects. One is that it's one way to describe the uh, Islamic fundamentalists. And we haven't really gotten into how this film looks at Islam, but that's a whole other conversation. And... Uh, and it's also significant because the film also proves Pascal completely wrong. Because if you look at these monks, you could say men never do good so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction. So I love the way the film both uh, underscores and at the same time rebukes what Pascal says. The other, the other thing about the film that is really important to me is um, that it's a film that really, that the monks in this film uh, take very seriously uh, the doctrine of incarnation. Uh, doctrine of incarnation is, um, if you can have a favorite doctrine, is my favorite Christian doctrine. I think it probably comes out of studying literature because literature is about the embodiment of so many things, embodiment of truth, embodiment of imagination, embodiment of what it means to be human. But one of the uh, chants that they sing uh, uh, is let us turn to the man of sorrows 
who beckons us from the cross because he is with us as on Easter morn. Um, and then uh, brother, brother Christian in one of his writings says, um, the incarnation for us is to allow the filial reality, that is the brotherly reality of Jesus, to embody itself in our humanity. And to me, that's, that's another reason why they stay, uh, because that's what it means to identify with Jesus, to identify with the man of sorrows, to realize that crucifixion and death are, are part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, I often say that one of the first literary experiences that gave me an understanding of why the Catholics use a crucifix as opposed to the uh, Protestants' empty cross is when I read Sacramento's Silence. And the notion that identification with Christ um, for Protestants tends to be um, uh, the triumphal Christ. It tends to be identification with the resurrected, the risen Christ. And for Catholics, there's often more of a focus on, um, for some Catholics, and more focus on identification with the crucified and the suffering Christ. I think both are part of what it means to follow Jesus. And I think sometimes because of the privilege of what it means to be American and to be prosperous, we forget the importance of the resurrected suffering Christ. So I, I love this film because of its emphasis on the incarnation and its emphasis that incarnation can mean suffering. It will mean triumph ultimately, but in this world, it may be more about suffering and death. That's beautiful. Amen. Amen to that. I, yeah, I, it, this, this one, you knocked it out of the park with this recommendation. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm congratulating you like you made the film, but you recommended it and we watched it and it was great. So, uh, what do you have for us next? All right. Well, I, 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 I thought long and hard about this next choice. Um, and uh, I decided to stay with a, a little bit with this theme, but from a very, very different angle. Um, I'm going to, I'm picking a film that's from about the same time. It may have been 2009 called Get Low. Oh, uh, I don't know if I've even heard of that. And I thought you probably wouldn't. And I suspect most of our listeners won't have heard of it either. Uh, and it has some similarities to a number of other films we've watched. Uh, first of all, in terms of casting, it's got Bill Murray who we saw from Groundhog Day in a very different role. It's got Sissy Spacek, who we saw in The Straight Story. But it's got somebody we haven't encountered yet, one of the great 20th century actors, Robert Duvall. Um, and like The Straight Story, it's based on a true story. And um, like Of Gods and Men and First Reformed and Fearless and Babette's Feast, it's got a spiritual theme, but it's a very different take on uh on what it means to think about one's mortality and i don't know if i want to say any more about it than that um it's it's just one of those little films that i absolutely fell in love with uh and i've been and i i've actually taught it in a in a church context um so we'll see we'll see how that how that goes uh and just as another footnote um i was curious i kind of lost track of the director and wondered what the director had done since then and discovered that most recently he directed the Tom Hanks film Greyhound. Oh, um, interesting. Which I haven't seen because it's on Apple Plus. But yeah, so that's, that's what he's been up to. Well, fantastic. I am excited. I'm always excited when it's a movie I haven't seen. And I'm extra excited when I think this is a movie I've never heard of. So that's even that's even better. Um, I can't wait to watch this. Uh, Barrett, thank you so much for uh, for talking us through um, Of Gods and Men. If you listen to this podcast and didn't watch it, uh, you should. It's, it's, I think if you care at all about this, like you can learn something about me at least, like by watching this movie. This, this, <laughs> I, I just, 
I always talk with students the first day of class. Uh, you know, I say we're going to be reading from all these different people throughout the semester and just pay attention for those things where you feel like a resonance in your heart, in your chest when you're reading the works of somebody else. And it's like, man, something about this rings personally very true to me. This movie, I think probably above anything we've watched in this series, this movie does that for me. Uh, this really was was fantastic. So I can't thank you enough for, uh, for recommending it. Um, we will be back next week to talk about Get Low in the video store.